You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. So years ago, I was uh, buying some milk and eggs and bread, you know, the staples, right? And uh, I'm checking out, and the checker says to me, oh, Pastor Bernie, hello, how are you? And I said, fine. And uh, this lady right in front of me that had just began to make her purchase, she was about this tall, very very petite, and must have gotten her hair done every Thursday because every hair was perfect, perfect. And she looks at me, and out of this little petite woman comes this voice, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, I'm the pastor, and, and proudly I said it, I'm the pastor of Foursquare. And she goes, I don't go to church, with the checker kind of backed up. You know, it's one of those odd moments. And I said, Why? And she goes, well, the pastor um, and his wife gave me attitude. And I didn't ask what attitude, but I was curious, what church? <laughs> and she told me the name of the church. And then I remembered Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. And I said, I would be happy to buy you breakfast. I'll pay for it. And we'll invite pastor. And I said the pastor's name. And she said, oh, no, not him. I said, really, not him? Oh, oh, you mean pastor, the previous pastor. And I said that name. Oh, no, not him. I said, you mean, yes. Folks, that was 11 years before our encounter. 11 years before, she was somehow hurt by a pastor and his wife. And she emphasized wife. And I thought to myself, First of all, I don't want to know what happened. And second of all, I thought to myself, this lady has been carrying an offense for 11 years. She was petite, but oh man, was she large, huge. Yeah, like 700 pounds. No, wait a minute. I think she weighed 112. But she was carrying 700 pounds of offense and grudge. Now just think about this. Take, take, take a, a short five foot one, five foot two woman and have her carry this around all her, well, at least 11 years that I know of. I will never step foot in another church again, she said, because of that experience. Huh. Hey, let me ask you a question. Any, any offense you're carrying? Offense? Any, any grudges you're holding? Oh, but actually, we don't hold grudges. We nurse them. We feed them. We bathe them. We put them on a shelf. We replay the video of that event. Obviously, this woman had, had done it 11 years in a row. I want to give you some words of Ephesians 4. If you were here nine years ago, or you were here 10 years before that, so 19 years ago, you would have heard me talk about uh, choosing not to be offended. And uh, somebody recently said, you need to do that sermon every year. And her husband said, no, every six months. <laughs> we're talking about life and we're ending this series. Uh, next week, we're going to start a series called Divine Direction. And it would be a good series for you to consider even inviting your unchurched friends. We're going to talk about how to make good decisions, 
How to Follow God's Divine Direction. It's based on a book by uh, Craig Rochelle from Life Church in Oklahoma. It's a phenomenal book, and I've read it four times, and I thought since I read it four times, at least you got to hear it for four weeks. So uh, we're going to bring that out uh, next Sunday. But I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Um, I haven't put these th- this part to the sermon before, but Ephesians 4, 21 and 22 says, let's read it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I'm not here to throw stones at this dear lady who didn't go to church. And last time I saw her a few years ago, she still doesn't attend any church. But I don't think she embodied This last part, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. The more you recognize the mercy and the grace of the Lord towards you, the more merciful and gracious you'll be towards people. Let me me say it again. The more you recognize that you really are a putrid, dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner, the more you realize that, that you've encountered God's grace and mercy that washes you and cleanses you, then you will be more gracious and merciful towards other people who trip up or say the wrong thing or get angry at you or whatever it is. Notice who he's talking to, the church at Ephesus. These are spirit-filled believers. He's talking to Christians who know the word of God, who know Jesus, the power in his name, who know the Holy Spirit. And he says, you need to watch this because you must let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. In other words, it's a personal assignment. There is no prayer in the Bible that I've ever been able to find that says, Lord, help me be nice to everyone, amen, and then you're done. This is a daily battle to be kind, to be tenderhearted, not to slander, to be a person that isn't bitter. And then we have this assignment that's so powerful, Proverbs 4.23, you should have this verse like memorized or tattooed on the inside of your eyelids, right? Above all else, in other words, the most important thing, guard your your heart. Why? Because it's the the fountainhead or the wellspring of life. Years ago, there was a, a bunch of guys out camping and they got really sick, almost deathly sick. And uh, they, they went to the county disease people and they said, yeah, we, 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 we ate at this restaurant and then we went camping and then we went backpacking. And, then, and, and, and one of the doctors there said, where did you drink your water from? Oh, we, we, this, this stream and we had our little test kit and it all seemed to be fine. He goes, well, those, those are test kits, but they don't do like, like micro stuff that's in the water. And, and the researchers went out and went up to the top of the stream and found a dead deer that was decomposing in the river. And excuse me for being so blunt, after breakfast or before brunch or wherever it is in your meal timeline, um, this, this deer was decomposing into the creek and they were drinking some of the micro stuff from this, this dead deer. Um, I think that's what Solomon wants us to know. Make sure that your well is clear. Make sure that the fountainhead of your life, make sure that the wellspring that flows water through you is clear. And the only way, listen, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, get this. The only way it's clear, you have to guard your heart. 
from what you read, from what you watch, from what you hear, from stories people put in your ear, from taking offense, somebody got mad at you, somebody didn't invite you to the party, you saw all the cars down the street, they were all hooping and hollering, having a great time, and you drove by and saw all the people, I didn't get invited to the party. I'm going to hold a grudge now against my neighbors. There's probably a reason they didn't invite you, or maybe they just forgot. Maybe they had social amnesia for one, one moment, you didn't get an invite. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, guard your heart. Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary says, this is the most important thing you will do, according to Solomon. He, he uses the word custody. Um, today's parent day, I don't know if you knew that or not, today's parent day, and, and uh, parents have custody of children. Not custody like they're handcuffed, like the cops are arresting somebody. I code for their custody. Not, not that at all. Not that at all. But, but you are the custodian of your heart. No one else is. It's not your spouse. It's not your brother. It's not your mother. It's not your father. It's, it's, it's not the pastor. It's not the government. You're the only one that can determine what goes into your heart and what resides in your heart. So Mark Chapter 6, you have a Bible, Mark's where we're going to be a little bit, little Matthew, jump back to Mark. Mark 6, 1 through 5, and Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Could you imagine being there, hearing Jesus Christ teach about God? I mean, just think about that. And they were amazed. And where did this man get these things, they asked, and, and what's this wisdom that has been given to him that even he can do what? Miracles, I'm sorry. Uh, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they, come on, they took offense at, at Jesus? Are you kidding me? They took offense, not just offense, but they took it at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Hmm. Then Jesus, next verse, was amazed at their lack of faith. Now catch a lesson today for you. He was amazed that they would become offended and that their unguarded heart would diminish their faith. Maybe it was jealousy. After all, this isn't a Levite. This isn't a priest that they're using, that God's using to, to, to bless the community. The crowd is growing, and they can't understand how anything good could come from Nazareth, why this carpenter is being selected by God. Maybe that's, maybe that's why they were offended. I don't know why. But I do know Mark 6, 5, and he could not do any miracles there. How many of you would, would love God to do a miracle for you or somebody that you know or miracle in your church or miracle in your community? Just you're, You'd like to see a miracle. Let me, let me give you a life lesson, and I think this will save you at least five, if not ten years of pain. Write this down. Offense and the miraculous cannot coexist. They were so offended that Jesus could not do the miracles there that he, he was capable of doing. 
because they were offended. If you choose to be offended, your faith will be diminished. Because pretty soon you're holding a big old box like this, and then you're asking, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And he's saying, I can't get in. You got so much baggage from your past, you're letting your past trauma become your present day drama? Come on. Huh? Well, yeah, my fourth grade teacher. Let it, it's okay. Give it to Jesus. My first husband, give it to Jesus. My first wife, give it to Jesus. My kid, oh, my kid's decisions that he's made. Give it, give it, give it to Jesus. Otherwise, your life will be all about offense and grudges and hurt and pain. And I promise you this. I promise you this. It will flow out of you. It, it, it does for me. When I let stuff go unchecked, it flows out. It, 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 it flows out of me. It flows out of you. Jesus is amazing. And then sometimes he does stuff that amazes me. Like, why did you do that, Lord? Like, why did you heal all the people at the pool of Bethesda? Why just one guy? Just, just me. Well, Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And Jesus, what did he do? He didn't say a word to her. Oh, thanks a lot for the gift of hospitality, Jesus. Here's this woman. She's crying out of the top of her lungs, save my child. And the disciples came to him and urged him, uh, would you get rid of her? Because she keeps coming and she's bothering us. and She's always asking for a miracle. And after all, Lord, you're busy. Come on, let, 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 let's get rid of her, right? Now, how many of you would have been ticked off? Come on, don't respond. But just think about it. Hey, Lord, I, I, Lord I've been asking you for something. You didn't even respond. And then the people that work with you are telling me to get out. You know? Went to Walmart, hypothetical. If you, this is not about Walmart. This is not a real story. This is fictitious. Okay? Went to customer service. There was a lady there cleaning her, her fingernails. And she didn't help you. And all of a sudden, all the Walmart greeters came and escorted you out of the store. How would you feel? Huh? I, I know. You put it on Facebook. Went to Walmart today. You know? I'm sorry, sorry. Send her away, Lord. But now, now look, look down at verse 24 to 28. Boy, I want to live like this. He answered, I, I was sent only the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. In other words, I know you're the source of healing. I'm coming to you. Lord, help me. And then Jesus said, woman, you have a great faith. He talks to her. Uh, you know, she talks to him about the, the crumbs falling off the master's table. But, but notice what, what Jesus says. Woman, you have a great faith. Why? She did not choose to be offended. And the Lord granted her request, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, if you put the two stories together, you have people on one side that are amazed by the teaching of Jesus, and yet they're offended because of who he is and the city he's from. And you have this other woman that has a right to t hold a grudge and to be offended. Jesus, you didn't even say hello to me. And all your workers are telling me to get out of your store. See, in life, there are numerous opportunities for us to be offended. Somebody didn't invite you to the party, like I said earlier. The boss challenges you and says, um, 
Come on, kick it up a notch and you get offended at the boss. We need you to produce more and you get offended. He don't know what he's talking about. The promotion doesn't happen for you. They give it to some schmo who doesn't deserve it. Come on. Huh? I have a, a friend, long-time friend who's in the Air Force, and um, he, he always wanted to have this particular promotion happen, and, and, and he didn't get it. The list kept coming out, and he kept retesting, and, and when he retired, he never got to be the rank he wanted. And um, I went to his retirement, and as we're walking to the parking lot, he said to me, pray that I, I won't hold a grudge against the Air Force that I love and serve. Pray that I won't hold a grudge against that general who would not write me the letter of recommendation. Pray that I won't, I mean, I, absolutely. And he goes, pray I won't hold it against a guy who got the promotion and didn't deserve it. Pray that I won't, and I thought, I thought, Lord, this is a good prayer. This is a good, we could pray. So we prayed in the parking lot. And every once in a while, even though he's been retired for quite some time, every once in a while, I will send him a text message and saying, how's your heart? And he'll say, I'm fine. I got, I got over that. But see, I know people that don't get over it. I know people that carry that grudge like the lady for 11 years. See, Jesus' life greatly models for us the choice to not be offended. If anybody could have been offended, it would be Jesus. They looked at ways to ruin his ministry, to, to shatter his credibility, and even while he's on the cross, they're mocking him with a crown of thorns, aren't they? And they wrote something on his cross like this, this is the king of the Jews, but it was done in mockery. And they're gambling for his garments, and he asks for something to drink, and they give him vinegar. And while he's on the cross, Luke 22, they came to the place of the skull and, and where Jesus was crucified, criminal on one side, one on the other. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. Listen, Jesus was living out the prophecy of Isaiah 42, 4, where he says he will not be disheartened or crushed until he's established justice on the earth. In other words, the prophecy was Jesus won't be offended. Jesus won't let his heart be crushed. Jesus has an assignment, a mission, a plan. He has to die pure, and he can't carry the grudges and the garbage and the offense of other people around him. So what causes us to become offended? Let me give you the list quickly. Number one, I think what causes us to be offended is the truth. Truth, justice in the American way, as long as the truth doesn't come to my house. In other words, don't tell me about me that I'm okay. You know, I have people. I have people that I get around. You know what they tell me? Don't 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 tell me any of that 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 stuff that's that I don't want to hear. Hello? What do you mean? Don't tell me that stuff you don't want to hear? Well, you know, I'm 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 sensitive to this stuff, and 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 you know what I what I say? The truth the truth grows us. You remember that old movie with that old line? Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. Well, folks, start handling it, will you? No, really, if you want to grow and if you want your life to be more abundant, start handling the truth. I mean, just start handling it. It's okay. You know, somebody that loves you and cares about you says, hey, lately you've been a little cranky. Oh, don't tell me anything that will offend me. Well, is it true? If you've been cranky, then work on your crankiness. There's something in your crank case that's not right. I mean, come on. If you're a mechanic, you know what I'm talking about, you know? I know people who've gotten upset and offended at me just because I told them the truth. I'm going, really? We don't want to hear the truth. We want to candy coat it. 
You know, listen, if you're married, tell your spouse to tell you the truth. Try this one next time. What do you really feel about me? Oh, those jeans make you look fine. I mean, this, right? 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 Love your hair. Looks great. How about this one? How about this? Have I been kind and tenderhearted toward you lately? How, how am I doing honoring you as my spouse? And they just sit there and let them, well, and usually they'll just, I don't want to tell you the truth. You'll find one really nice thing to say. Or you brace yourself. Folks, if you want to grow and get better, get some people in your world that will tell you the truth. By the way, get some time in the Bible. It'll tell you the truth. You don't want, I want, I want to hear it. Let me tell you a story. The truth is told. Uh, Mark 6. Uh, another thing in Mark. King Herod um, takes his brother Philip's wife, and I always laugh at some of the names of the Bible, don't you? His name is Herod, and his sister-in-law's name is Herodias. I, just, I think it's comical. You know, it's the female version of himself, you know? And John the Baptist comes and says, um, excuse me, I'm a prophet sent from God. I'm here to tell you the truth. What you're doing is not right. Thou shalt not covet another man's wife, and that's your sister-in-law, and that's really gross. Mm. So Mark 6.18, it's right there in the Bible. It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And conviction sets in. And rather than repenting, Jerusalem Post, King Herod repents. God fills his soul. The Holy Spirit comes and fills his life. And the kingdom is now different. King Herod gets upset. And worse than that, Herodias, this is the woman I, I don't mean any disrespect, ladies. I do not mean any disrespect. Do not get offended and hold a grudge against me. But you get a woman who's hot, headed, and ticked off, and you make her, Mark 6, 19, the Message Bible, Herodias was smoldering with hate and didn't want to get even, didn't want to get revenge. She wanted to kill him, Mark 6, 19 says. Um, in the New Living Translation, it says she bore a grudge. And the word bore here, the way it's used, or smoldering with hate, or she was upset is the word I used earlier. She was bathing her grudge. She was feeding her grudge. She was manicuring her grudge. She was putting it on a pedestal, and she wished to kill him. She is bearing this grudge. And sometime later, at Herod's birthday bash, Herodias' daughter Salome starts to dance. She's doing hip-hop. And he loved it. And it says he, 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 he loved it. And he told her, I'm so pleased with your dancing, I'll give you whatever you want. And she runs to her mother, Herodias, who is allowing this offense to grow and says, what should I ask for? Um, a place down by the oasis? <laughs> what should I ask for? Jewelry? What should I, what should I ask for? A, a brand new BMW? And she says, do you know what she says? I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. That is the extreme of what offense and grudges do. Being offended never stops with you. It's not, well, Pastor, I have a right to be offended if I want. But, but no, you don't, because it's a ripple effect. It's going to affect somebody else. 
How do I know this? Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Several, several years ago, pastor got up on a Sunday, big pulpit, one of those big three-tier job or dues, big old suit, you know, and tie and everything. He said, I want all the, the elders of the church to stand up. And they all stood. I want the board members to stand up. They all stood. And then he said, uh, you see these people, church? These are the reasons that I'm leaving the church. And he threw his Bible down and walked out the door. So um, we got involved with the church, a little intervention trying to help out. They asked me to be a guest speaker there. I said, excuse me, no, no, thank you. <laughs> there was so much venom in that church. I just thought, I'm not doing that. And so... Um, my, my dear friend Wayne Cordero stepped in to help him. And Wayne called me and said, pray for me, man. I got to step this. Is and he went in and, and they made the youth pastor the senior pastor that next Sunday. And Wayne had lunch with that youth pastor. The youth pastor goes, oh my God. I got to take over the ship. It's sinking. Rats are diving off of it. And... and he said, yeah, oh, that Sunday, that Sunday, that pastor got up. To, oh, you should have been there that Sunday, Wayne. And, and Wayne said to him, well, the problem with this church didn't start that Sunday. The problem is that church goes way back to a, a meeting that an elder had with the pastor, something that one of the leaders had. And somebody got together over lunch and badmouthed the pastor. And pretty soon, see, see, when you let anything unhealthy go underground, you think it's forgotten? You sweep stuff under the rug, sweetheart? It's not going away. Listen, I heard about a lady who took all of her credit card receipts, didn't want her husband to find out. She just put them in a bottom drawer. All the bills in a bottom drawer. All the statements in a bottom drawer. And one day a phone call came at the house. Uh, hello? Yeah, husband answered the phone. Uh, we're, we're from Visa. And uh, you haven't paid any of your credit card bills. And your interest is compounding. And he goes, we don't have any of those bills. And his wife said, well, honey, we kind of do. And she opened up the drawer and it was a stack. What was several thousand became multiplied thousand because of late fees and everything else. And they wanted to come repossess the husband's car because they had joint accounts. Hello. Now, what does that have to do with, with offense? Listen, if you start shoving, shoving stuff in the drawer and you're not willing to take care of it, don't you think, oh, out of sight, out of mind. No, it's going to come back and get you, just like it did with that church. It'll happen in an organization. It'll happen in a city. It'll happen in a Little League board meeting. It'll happen in a swim club meeting. It'll happen at a Qantas, Rotary, Elks. I mean, it is, listen, it doesn't know any boundaries. Bitterness doesn't know any boundaries. See, when truth comes to us, we have two options. We have alignment and repentance, or we have rejection and offense. That's it. We can align ourselves and repent. God, I need to align myself with this truth. I need to change my ways, my evil ways, baby, and align myself with the truth. Another song, sorry. And, and, we, need to, and we need to do it, or we're going to reject it. I, I could tell you stories upon stories. Um, someday when... When I'm old and gray, I'm going to write about all these emails I've gotten over 39 years of ministry and, and note cards. Um, it's amazing. 
I think another way we get offended is lack of time with God in the Bible. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love those two words, rebuking and correcting, because we want the Bible to, to, to read us. We go to read the Bible, and the Bible ends up reading us. The third thing is, what is stored in my heart? Mm. So long passage, Matthew 15. I'm just going to tell you, kind of summarize it because of time. Um, there's an argument going on about how we wash our hands, right? According to the law, Leviticus law, and what we can eat. And Jesus stops that and says, listen, I'm not so concerned that you eat pork belly sandwich. All you bacon lovers should say, praise the Lord for Jesus, right? I'm more concerned not with what you put in your mouth. I'm more concerned with what comes out of your heart. Well, what what comes from from down here? And uh, then it says right in the middle, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Um, I I don't know where you have to be. Yeah, there it is, that they, they were offended when they heard this. There's another place they got offended. Who's he to tell us how to live? And Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? And Jesus asked him, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes in the stomach and then out the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these are what makes a man unclean. For out of the heart comes, for out of the heart comes, listen to this, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. True story, Christian man loves Jesus, loves the Bible, but is kind of on the weak side. And says to me at Starbucks, see, it's going to be in my book, chapter 9. Says to me at Starbucks, I, I want you to know that my wife is gaining lots of weight. I don't find her attractive anymore. So I just want you to know that I feel, I, I just got to tell you this, and I'm trying to candy coat it the best I can, sorry, that I feel it's okay for me to lust after other women because she won't take care of herself. What would you have said? I bought him his four shot latte to hear this. What would you have said to him? Come on. What would you have said? You don't have an answer. What would you have said? Good. Good. Yeah. You want the pastor to get in trouble. I know that. I said, your lust problem is not because your wife's weight. Your lust problem is because of your soul. And by the way, the whole time we were together, every time the door opened... He, he, he was looking to see if it's male or female. And every woman that walked in, he checked out from her ankle to her eyeballs and back down again. And I finally said, I know I'm no prize to look at, buddy, but I've given my time to come over here. I bought you a Rice Krispie treat and a, <laughs> and a Vente, four shot, whatever you got, macchiato. That's a frou-frou drink in my book. And all you're doing is looking at every woman walking in the room. I don't think your wife is even, even part of the problem here. I hope your wife gets healthy, but I'd rather see your soul get healthy. I know I'm giving you hard stuff today, but I want you to live life. I want, I want you to let go of the offense. I want you to let go of baggage. And Jesus said, whatever is in your heart will come out of your heart. 
Luke 6.45 says, The good man brings good things out of his good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So if somebody says something to you, and you go off in explosion, all they were was a, a match to your powder keg. It's already in here. You know? They didn't let your, your, your child be picked, and you're not, your kid can't be the quarterback, Sorry. You know, and, and, and you're, you know what you're doing? You're probably connecting back to some teacher somewhere who didn't let you have what you wanted. Or somebody, you probably don't know anybody like this, and there's nobody in this room like this. Nobody at LFC like this. But some people in the world are hard to love. Usually because they've been hurt so much. Or they don't want to risk being loved again. So they start blaming all the people who are loving them that they're not doing a good enough job when actually the problem of receiving that love is deep in their soul. Does this make any sense to you? Yeah. That lady who I met that day at the grocery store was going to say, all churches, all pastors, all pastors' wives are just like the two that I encountered. I'm never going back in church again because of an experience and I would bet if we could dissect that woman's soul, we would see probably what the pastor's wife did was marginal and, and minuscule compared to what was going on inside of her heart. See, God will use his voice, the scriptures, life, and others to reveal what's inside my heart. And when we talk about being offended, it is the word, and some of you like Greek words, it's the word scandalizo. Scandalizo. Isn't that a great word? You know what it sounds like, doesn't it? Scandal. And you know, you know what it is? Let me, let me show you a picture. It is the, um, it's the stick. No, no, that stick in the trap is, is called the scandalizo. When you're trying to trip somebody up, or maybe your life, not you, not you, but somebody in the world, life is so dysfunctional that they just live in a tripped up life, they actually sabotage the journey. I know people that are hard to love, and no matter how hard you, you try, they, they will sabotage it. Why? Because they don't want to be loved. They say, somebody love me, and they don't want to be loved because inside their heart, they have this hurt and this pain because they're, they're, they got this, they're carrying a grudge. They're carrying a grudge. My third grade teacher said flippantly, flippantly, because of my behavior problem. I was like ADD. There wasn't even a diagnosis back then. I was just off the charts. I, mean, I spent more time in the principal's office. You've heard these stories. I don't want to bring them up. And I took these little pills in the third and fourth grade. I don't know what they were. I mean, Ritalin. It wasn't developed yet. Sorry, I'm that old. But all I know is that they made me wild. And she made a comment. I'm just going to tell you this. You'll probably end up in prison someday. I'm third grade. I'm third grade. She's died and gone wherever she goes. <laughs> By now, I don't, I don't know. I didn't keep track with her. I walked home and told my mom. You know what my mom said? She's wrong. And right there, my mom disallowed anything to go underground that was unhealthy. I spoke it. I was third grade. I spoke it. The teacher said, I'm going to go to prison. She's wrong. 
you're a good kid. You're a little wild, rambunctious. <laughs> and my mom said this to me in third grade, but, but you're going to be a leader someday. My fifth grade teacher, some of you have heard my story. I don't have time. I got three minutes. My fifth grade teacher said, stay after school. Is it detention? Oh, no. It was, but she didn't call it that. She called it privilege. You know what she said? Um, you're going you're gonna to erase the board for me? You're going to collate papers for tomorrow? It's called privilege. And I'll get choked up. Sorry. I'll get choked up. She said, it's called privilege. You know why? It's my privilege to spend the afternoon with you. Are you kidding me? When I was in middle school, when I ran cross-country and track in high school, I was the captain of the cross-country team. We used to run to the elementary school and run up the stairs and go see Mrs. Speck, my fifth grade teacher, all the time. She came to my graduation in high school. You know what she said? You're going to be a leader someday. You're going to lead people, influence people in the fifth grade. My mom said it in the third grade. Mrs. Speck said it in the fifth grade. You know why? Because neither one of them wanted me to live this kind of a life where all it is about tripping people up or having people be, be, be so dysfunctional that, oh, I'm scandalizo, right? See, some people live like, not you, not you, but some people live like this. What's my life all about? I'm just a stick on the box, baby. Get near me, poof, poof. I'm going to trip people, and I'm going to hold on to all the grudges and all the offenses and all the bad church experiences and all the bad bosses and all the bad schools and all the bad teachers and all the... Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart. How about this? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any, are you ready for this word? Any offensive way in me. What's the psalmist saying? Lord, find out if I'm even allowing offense to come into my soul because I don't want it there. And by the way, number four is taking offense. And let me just say it this way. If, 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 if this is the offense... If this is the offense, and some of you have heard me talk about this before, if this is the, the offense, here's what I have the option of doing. Somebody says something really bad about me. Somebody does something really wrong to me. Somebody doesn't invite me to the party. Somebody doesn't promote me. Somebody doesn't let my, my daughter be Mary in the Jesus play. There can only be one. God only had one mother of, of, of Jesus, right? And 20 women bring their daughters. Look, my daughter should be in... Oh, yeah, we had a lady leave the church 10 years ago because her daughter wasn't married, and she was married, her grandmother was married, and her great-grandmother was married, and she said, oh, I'm going to go find me a church. I said, there can only be one lady. There can only be one Jesus. Anyway, so, um, sorry. So, it's offense. And, and, and you know what, what this phrase is? I, I take, you ever heard this? I take offense to that. Why take it? Just leave it there and say, Lord, help me guard my heart. Search me, oh God, see if there's any offense in me. Oh God, I don't... Oh, and you walk right by it. Look how freeing that is. Look, it's another offense. The pastor's going over time today. Woo, let's be offended. No, let's go over here. Can you believe it, Martha? We went to church and a guy got it in my face talking about being offended. Yeah, he was talking about you, dear. No, he was talking about you. Oh, shh, just, just let it go. Let it, let it go. It's a grudge. Just leave it there. By the way, take your grudges to the cross. Jesus, when you die on the cross, you died for my sins. You, you, died for my, you, you died for my grudges. 
I don't want any offense in my life. Why? Why? Because the miraculous can't take place. Offenses are always taken and never given. No one, listen, no one can give you an offended spirit. Now, you don't know my neighbor. I bet you I do. I may not know them particularly, but I know people. I know the human condition. No one can give you an offended spirit. You must take it. No one can force you to hold a grudge. It's up to you. Well, I, I choose to hold a grudge. Go right ahead. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, except for that corner where I have the grudge and the front room where I keep the offense. Come fill our house with your love, except for the back room, because that's where we fight. Come on. No, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to every nook and cranny of, of, of our lives. If I had time, I would tell you that, that people hold offense because it makes them feel powerful. You have more power over the other person. It makes you feel more righteous, and it justifies what you want to say. See, people gossip. Holy Spirit-filled Christians who worship God with their hands raised gossip when they're hurt. And you feel like you can. And then guess what? You lobby for other people to come and dislike the people that have offended you. It's, it's something. It's all over Facebook. I've been reading stuff all week. It's been great. Not about you, by the way. Listen, number two in the, in the bottom, what do we do? Love God's work in us and in our church that we will not allow anything to stop it and we allow it by a choice. And be so committed to seeing lives change and the miraculous take place in our midst that we say we will not allow offense to come. Um, I mentioned Wayne Cadero. Let me just tell you what he says in his journal. He wrote this down one day when he was thinking about being offended. From this day on, I refuse. I refuse to be offended because I so love God what you're doing in my life. It's just simple. I refuse this day on to be offended because I so love what you're doing in my life. Psalm 119, and we will pray, I promise. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing, nothing, come on, nothing shall offend them. Are you offended? You holding any grudges today? Wouldn't it be great if between now and the time you got in your car or walked home or got on your bike, you left all your grudges here, and then we'll sweep them out of the room. They'll be gone. We don't want them. Why? Because what God's doing in our church is too important. Because what God's doing in marriages is too important. What God is doing in, in your life and wants to do through your life is, is too important. So this was a two-part sermon. I got it done in one day. Pretty good, actually. See, now you should be proud of me instead of offended that I went four minutes over. Yeah? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.